Alrighty then. How y'all doing? Y'all look beautiful. Most of you. <laughs> Luke, the 11th chapter, verse 1. Luke chapter 11, verse 1. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Just as John taught his disciples. How many of you know sometimes you just need to be taught how to do some of the most basic spiritual things? Lord, teach us to pray. You ever feel like that? Lord, show me how to do this. How do you live this thing? How do you walk this out? How do you pray? And uh, just as, as uh, John had done for his disciples, they came to Jesus and, and asked him that. Now, Jesus then began to teach them what we know as the Lord's Prayer. Um, and uh, there's kind of a shortened version of it there in Luke. We're going to jump over to Matthew now. Matthew the 6th chapter, verse 9, where the, where the full uh, Lord's Prayer is recorded. <clears throat> and, and Jesus says, this then is how you should pray. So they asked the question, teach us how to pray. And Jesus said, okay, this then is how you should pray. Now, the Lord's Prayer isn't really exact. Now, we, we pray the Lord's Prayer on, on Sunday mornings when we worship, and it's a wonderful prayer to pray. But you have to understand something. It really wasn't so much this is what you should pray, so much as this is how you should pray. It's okay to pray it, and we do. And, and a lot of people, you know, pray it very religiously, you know, the Lord's Prayer. But it's not so much just say these exact words as it was, this is how you do it. This is, remember, they said, Lord, how do we do it? He says, this is how you do it. And he started, and he gave them that very simple prayer. And there are distinct elements of that prayer that we want to look at that show us how to pray. So that's how we're going to be viewing this. All right, now the very first part of the prayer, obviously, when he said this is how you should pray, he says this. You need to pray this. Our Father in heaven. So we're going to start there. The first thing you need to realize when you come to God in prayer is that God is our Father. There is a relationship with God because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. You see, without Jesus, God is distant. God is far from us. There's a wall between us and God. And it's called sin. It's our own stubbornness. It's our own lack of willingness to do what God wants to do. It's, it's our own selfishness and all that stuff. It becomes a wall between us and God. Jesus came to die. His body broken for us. His blood shared for us to break the wall. There's nothing you can do about it. A lot of people try and break the wall themselves. They try to be very, very religious. Or they try to be more good than they are bad. Uh, or they, they try and all sorts of different things that people try. Trying to find their way through the wall. Trying to find God. You need to know something. There's nothing you can do to break through the wall. There is absolutely nothing. You can be the most wonderful, kind person in the world, but you can never break that wall of sin between you and God. There was only one 
person who could do it and it was God himself. We are, without God, we are completely and totally hopeless. And that's a big revelation to get. Because a lot of people think, well, no, I'm not so, I'm a pretty nice guy. I can work it out myself. I don't need all that Jesus. But they'll never get through. We were hopeless without it. So Jesus came, his body broken, his blood shed for us. That he could break that wall of separation. So that when we receive God's forgiveness, we now can connect with God again. And now God becomes our Father. There's a wonderful uh, scripture in, in Romans the 8th chapter. It says, for you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear. Okay, when you came to Christ, it wasn't just another version of, <laughs> but you received a spirit of sonship. We become sons and daughters of God. And by him we cry, Abba! Abba, 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 Abba. Abba Father. You notice they never translate that word Abba. This is, the, this is the very intimate word that the Greek little boys and girls would call their daddies. Abba, Abba. My grandchildren call me Papi. Papi, 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 Papi. That kind of thing. That, that abandon that. Oh, oh. That's what we do in the spirit when we connect with God. There's that kind of relationship where we can call him Daddy. There's not this distant, oh, thou most omnipotent, distant God way out in the distance somewhere. Okay? There's a closeness. And God wants us to be close to him. And he wants us to approach him in a close way. Not in a very distant way. I would feel horrible if my children had approached me when they were little. And they needed some money or wanted some money for, you know, for some ice cream or something. To, to approach me in this way and say, oh, father. Oh, father, I know you're really busy. Please don't strike me. But oh thou most wonderful father, could I have 25 cents for some ice? Well man, I'd be horrified by that. This fear that my children were afraid of me. I didn't want that. I wanted them to come say, Daddy, 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 got any money? You know, that kind of thing. Or there's this connection. There's this, this, there's this father-son connection. That's the kind of connection we have with God. Now, let me say this. One of the reasons that God is so concerned about healthy families today is because without a healthy family, a lot of people never truly get a healthy picture of what their relationship should be with God. A lot of you who never had fathers might struggle in your faith because you never had a father who really cared about you, who was connected to you, who was there for you. That's why it's so important for us as Christian uh, couples to have strong, healthy marriages so that we can exhibit to our children the kind of relationship they can have with God. That's why God's very concerned about that kind of thing. Um, our families have been under so much attack uh, in the last uh, 20, 30 years. Fathers have become more and more of a mess. And if that was your experience, I just want you to know that God is closer to you than a distant father. Do you see what I'm saying? And you need to kind of work through it. But you need to understand that God truly wants to be close to you. It's a wonderful thing to be a son. There's certain advantages to being a son. Uh, or as, as Ross, who was leading worship tonight, my son-in-law, you know, he gets in on that deal because, you know, he doesn't have to call ahead. 
He can walk in the house anytime he wants. He doesn't have to ask if he can open the refrigerator and take something out. He can just do it. Why? Because he's a son. My own son can do, because there's that connection. To this day, I'm 51 years old. I can freely walk into my parents' house and just open the fridge and say, what you got to eat? <laughs> you know. Now, if you did that, that would be really weird. Okay? Because they don't know you. You don't have that connection. I have that connection. That's the kind of thing it is with God. If you feel so distant from God, if you totally, don't truly understand this, this thing, then you can't truly approach God the, uh, the way that you want to. Um, I'm, I'm going to jump uh, to Hebrews, the fourth chapter, the, the 16th verse. It says here, Let us then approach the throne of grace... With confidence, the King James Bible says, with with boldness, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in the time of need. Why can you do that with confidence? How can because I'm a son. I'm a son. My dad uh, is a doctor. He's retired now, but he was, you know, practiced medicine for many, many years. I remember as a little boy going on house calls with him. You know, back when doctors still that did that kind of thing. And uh, anyway, if we were ever sick or we felt lousy, or we needed to go see the doctor. It was always so cool, because we could walk right into the uh, doctor's waiting room, and there we saw all the, you know, regular poor peasants waiting. (laughs) The mere mortals that had to wait their turn to see Dr. Gunger. But I could walk in at any time and just walk past, say, hey, how y'all doing? And I just go walk right to the front of the line. And uh, as soon as I'd walk up to the desk, and if they didn't know me, who are you? I'm Dr. Gungerson. Oh, then go right in. And I could go and they'd give me my own room. And dad, as soon as he could, he'd whoop straight to me. And he'd fix us all up. And then he'd walk past all the poor peasants again say, how y'all doing? Good to see y'all. And he would, why could we do that? Because I was his son. If you would have tried to do that, they'd call security. But I can do that because I am a gunger. Gungers get to go to the front of the line when the head guy is another gunger. Okay? It's like that in prayer. It's like that in coming to God. When you have a relationship with God, you don't have to wait in the waiting room. You don't have to feel distant and separated. We can boldly approach the throne of grace. How y'all doing? Abba, 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 help me out here. Okay? Now, people say, well, well, isn't everyone a child of God? Um, well, yes and no. In the sense that God created mankind, yeah, we're all children of God. You know, people say, we're all children. But really, in a spiritual sense, no, we're not. Uh, if you look at John, the 8th chapter, verse 42, Jesus said to them, because they said, well, God's our father. He says, hey, if God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God and now am here. I have not come on my own, but he sent me. Why is my language not clear to you, Jesus asked. Because you're not able to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil. Ooh, that's kind of nasty. And you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. There is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. Wow, liar. When he lies, that's, that's normal for him. And for those 
who are connected to him. For he is a liar and the father of lies. Spiritually speaking, now this might sound kind of a shock to people because, you know, well, God's everybody's father. But in a spiritual sense, if you haven't let Jesus remove that wall that separates you, if you haven't been born again, if you haven't had a personal experience with God, spiritually speaking, God is not your father. Your father is the devil. So how can you say that? I'm not that bad. No, but we lie, we cheat. We, you turn on the TV. Why, why is the world so lousy? People say, why, why does God let all this happen? <laughs> because most people want nothing to do with God. What you see on the television is a result of a world whose father is the devil. They take their cues from him. The hatred, the bitterness, the lying, the stealing, the cheating. These are not spiritual things that come from God. These are poisonous spiritual things that come from sin and from the devil. Matthew, the seventh chapter, verse seven says this, talking about our true heavenly father. When you have a relationship with God, ask and it will be given to you. Seek And you will find. Knock. And the door will be open to you. Why? Because you're a son. You see. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks the door will be opened. Which of you? If his son. See this is the whole tie in is sonship. When you have a relationship with God. These are the guys that knock doors open. They ask things happen. Because they're celebrating this relationship a father, son, daughter, son. Which of you, if his son asked for a bread, would give him a stone? Or if he asked for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, <laughs> know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? You need to understand something. As, as, as you learn about God being your father and, and, and how we pray here. God really wants to bless you. God wants to answer your prayers. We come often with this attitude of, oh, if I could just get God's attention, I know he's really busy. You know, oh, Father, can I have a quarter for ice cream? You know, we, we think that God is, is like... <laughs> You know, and if we don't tick him off enough, then, then uh, you know, then we'll get what we want. In a lot of churches, you walk in and it's so quiet, it's like God's ticked off. <laughs> you know, when my dad was really ticked, we all got very religious in our home. <laughs> you don't have to be afraid of God. He wants to bless you. He wants to answer your prayers. Now, sometimes no is an answer. He knows what's best for you. But you've got to understand when you have a relationship with God, God wants to bless you. God wants to answer your prayers and to meet your needs. Um, Now, as wonderful as it is to have God as our father... We have to understand that he is not our grandfather. Do you know the difference? I am a grandfather. My job is to say yes all the time. (laughs) My job is to spoil the snot out of my grandchildren. I am pretty good at it, I gotta tell you. 
And I love it. It is a joy to my soul to see those little boys come running up to me. Poppy, 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 poppy. Man, it just is a rush. It's a glorious thing. And, 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 and you, you let them get away with stuff. In fact, I let them get away with stuff on purpose. <laughs> if, if mama doesn't let them do it, mama's not here. Come on, come on. You know, I'm terrible. I know I'm terrible. But you just love. Now, God is not a grandpa. He is a father. Fathers usually have the tougher responsibility. I know I've been one of those as well. You can't always be like grandpa. Sometimes you got to kick some butt. Sometimes you got to hold the little feet to the fire. This is what God does for us. It's not just all, you know, people say, well, just come to God. God is not Santa Claus. Are you hearing me? By the way, seeing how we're on the verge of the season... Don't lie to your children, all right? This is my personal opinion. You don't like, throw something at me. I don't care. Do what you want. You don't have to lie to them. You can still have fun. We always have fun with our kids with Santa Claus and all that, but we never really lie to them. Say, yes, yes, it's really, really true. Someday they find out it's not. Here's this guy who sees everything. He knows everything. He can answer your request. Sounds a lot like Jesus, doesn't it? Only you're lying to them. They find out. Then young people start wondering, I wonder what else they lied to me about. Are you hearing me? So I want my kids to enjoy. They can enjoy it. My kids always had a blast. We've always had a blast with that. Kids have wonderful imaginations. I used to play for hours with my son, you know, Darth Vader. I would be Darth Vader and he'd be Luke Skywalker. But I never told him, you know, Phil, there really is a Darth Vader. (laughs) All right. I got some of you mad now. Shake it off. Teflon on you. God holds us responsible. He wants us to grow. By the way, let me throw a little thing in here about about being a grandfather. It it is one of the most wonderful experiences of life. Any person who how many of you are grandparents? You know what I'm talking about. It is a deliriously glorious experience. It is God's reward for not killing your children. It, it truly is wonderful. It is so, you have no idea. I've heard that all my life. Yeah, 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 yeah. But when it happens, it's like, wow. It is a rush that's just different from being a parent. It is just intoxicating. Now, for thousands and thousands of years, people became grandparents in their late 40s and in their 50s. Now, do you know Why? Because they started their families pretty early. Now, don't get mad at me, but the reason I want to talk about it, first of all, I want to get it on tape. You can edit that little phrase out. Because I I want to talk to our culture about this thing. We are headed down a bad path today. Because we are telling people, no, 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 not telling them. We're threatening people. Warning people. Christians warning their young people. Don't you get married too young. Don't you get married too young. I'll make your life a living hell. Don't you do it to Christians. I won't go to your wedding. I want some fortune in college. Because ah! our culture is forcing people to wait later and later and later and later in life till they're 27, 28, 29, 30 years old. Before they even get married. And then wait until you're 
Another few years, you have 35, 40 before you have children. That's what our culture is doing. Do you know why? Because statistically showing, people who marry young have a higher rate of divorce. So statistically speaking, those who, you know, what they're doing is they're trying to find a statistical probability in which self-centered, narcissistic people can succeed in life. (laughs) It's really what they're doing. How about we stop raising self-centered, narcissistic children? What a concept. People do not get divorced because they get married too young. It is absolutely pure ignorance to say so. Nobody all of a sudden, because they're married and they're going along fine, goes, wait a minute, wait a minute. How old were we? We were too young. Let's get a divorce. (laughs) People get divorced for one reason, one reason only. Somebody or both of them get selfish. That's it. It's just that simple. And don't tell me young people can't make commitments. There are men and women tonight over on the other side of the world, some of them making the greatest commitment they possibly can in laying down their lives for each other. Don't tell me they can't make commitments. They can. We have this ridiculous extended adolescence we've created in this country. Used to be you were a teenager from, you know, what, 12 till 17, right? That's when you were a teenager. By the time you hit 18, 19, you had to get a life. Today, teenagers from 12 to like 30. This total extended adolescence. These people walking around in their mid-20s. What are you going to do with your life? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) Just now, if you want to do that, it's a free country. Do whatever you want to do. I'm just saying to you, I don't think we've thought this through. If you wait that late and your children do the same, the chance of you becoming a grandparent and staying around very long becomes very, very small. And I used to say, you know, people are robbing themselves of the greatest joys that mankind has enjoyed for millennia. But then I thought, wait a minute, there's even a worse scenario there. Do you know what's been holding together families over the last 30 years in this culture of divorce in this country? The one stabilizing factor that has held families together and held children together, it has been the presence of grandparents. If you're the devil and you want to destroy families, and I assure you he does, and you realize grandparents are the one thing that keeps holding things together, what do you do? Get rid of them grandparents. How do you do that? Just wait. 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 Listen to the radio the other day. Yeah, it's it's good for people. It's okay if you wait to your 40 or even your 50s before you have children the first time. Now, if you want to do that, your lifestyle, I'm not slamming any individual. Sometimes this is just the way life works out for you. What I'm against is a culture that is forcing this on us. And the church who is bought into the same nonsense and forcing it on our Christian kids. We're telling them, wait till they're almost 30 to get married. And at the same time, we're saying, don't have sex. There's sound advice right there. Think it through, people. 
This, there's, there is hell to be paid yet in this country for what we're doing. You add another 30 years or so, grandparents now are 70, 80 for the first time, depending on your health, you're checking out by the time that kid's 10 years old. You're not even there as a stabilizing factor. I know it's radical what I'm saying, but our culture that thinks it's so smart isn't nearly as smart as we think we are. All of this for what? So you can make more money? So you can drink more beer? So you can have more parties? Seriously, we need to reevaluate what we're doing. Who else can I get mad at me tonight? I just, I'm on a, on a roll here. God is not a grandfather, he's a father. And fathers have the responsibility to pull us in line, to discipline us, sometimes to just flat out kick our butts. In Hebrews, the 12th chapter, verse 7, it says this, Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as what? Sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? Now sadly, sadly there's a lot of people like that today. They've never been disciplined by their father. Young men today, because of absent fathers, are complete slobs. Slobs are just just bad, bad messes. You single girls, you run into one of those? Keep moving on. Come on. If it smells like a skunk, walks like a skunk, acts like a skunk, it's a skunk for the love of God. Move on. (laughs) But I can change him. No, you can't. (laughs) Trust me. Talking to this guy. Marriage is a mess. Totally neglecting his wife. He knows he's wrong. I said, well, why don't you do the right thing? He goes, I just don't want to. This, this is a reason today in America. I don't want to. Everybody goes, oh, it's not a reason. I said, what do you mean you don't want to? I, I just don't want to. So, well, do you do everything you want to do? He goes, yeah, pretty much. I said, well, come on. I says, do you want to take out the garbage? I said, I don't, I don't have to, actually. He says, we got a, we got a system. We just, all we got to do is sit it right by the door and people come get it. I said, well, do you want to mow the lawn? No, that's the beauty. I, I got a condo. I don't have to mow the lawn. I mean, everything, I, I couldn't find anything. That this guy, had built his whole life around only doing what he wanted to do. When he wanted to do it. I said, well, when you were a little kid, what did your father do to you if you didn't, if you didn't do stuff? He goes, oh, he was never there. I didn't have a father. I said, do you know what you really need to save your marriage? He said, what? I said, you need some guy to take you out back and kick the snot out of you. That's <laughs> what just... Just beat him for about half hour. He won't die. He'll just be beat. <laughs> and he's like, I just a beat on you for a while. What is the matter with you? I don't wanna. What son is not disciplined by his father? When Paul wrote that, he thought that was an absurd concept. This is becoming more and more the norm in America today. This is sad. 
If you're not disciplined, and he says everyone undergoes discipline. (laughs) Obviously, he wasn't around now. Then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. Moreover, he says, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for that. How much more should we submit to the father of our spirits and live? Our fathers disciplined us for a while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good, that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Amen. But later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Discipline is a good thing for you. You need to understand this. Despite whatever your earthly father did one way or the other, you need to know something. Your heavenly father will discipline you. He'll take you out to the woodshed if he has to. Sometimes things go very, very, very badly for Christians on purpose. Are you hearing me? Sometimes the troubles that people are running into that they're trying to get delivered from is coming from God. Sometimes things will go wrong for you because God is trying to get your attention. So, well, how do I know that? Well, you just need to be sensitive to God. You need to be honest with your life. Truth is, if you came to me and said, I got problems, man, I'll just try and pray you through it. I have no idea. But if you've prayed and you've prayed and you've tried everything you can, it seems like nothing ever changes, you need to maybe stop. Because i got to do that. I need to search my own heart. You know, there's, there's a time of reflection Christians should have where you, you just turn the light on the inside and say, where am I at? What, how have I been behaving? What, what am I doing? Am I honoring God? Sometimes you turn the light on inside and you go, ooh, ooh, that doesn't look so good. And you see sin, you got to let the Holy Spirit, you need to pray, Holy Spirit, search my heart. Help me to see if there's something I'm doing wrong so I can start doing it right so God can bless me. I had a, uh, a couple come to me about a year ago. And um, uh, they were having all kinds of trouble in their life. They come to church religiously. They're there every Sunday. Every Sunday. And the guy says, uh, he says, everything goes wrong for me. I, nothing works. Every time I try anything financially, I fail. Every job I try to have collapses on me. He says, it's just just horrible. And then I looked at her and she says, physically, I'm just a mess. Nothing works for me. Well, I so want to have a baby, but I just can't have one. Just can't have one. And the doctor says, there's no way I'll ever have one. And she's crying. And she says to me, Pastor, why is this happening? Why isn't God answering our prayers? Now, I knew the couple. Despite the fact they had been coming to church, they were living together, living in sin. Not married, fornicating their little brains out, I'm sure. (laughs) And they looked at me and said, why isn't God answering our prayers? And I looked at them like they dropped in from Mars. I said, because you're living in sin. And they giggled. They said, oh, we knew knew you'd probably say that. (laughs) But, But really, Why? Honestly, this was the conversation I had. I said, because you're living in sin. I mean, it was like zing, zing, zing. I'm trying to explain to them. You cannot intentionally violate what God wants you to do and expect God to bless you at the same time. But we have a a culture of people today that they don't see the connection. They see no connection between how they behave and what they should get from God. 
You got to realize there's a connection. God will not bless you if your intention, not, nobody's perfect, but I'm talking intentionally. You know you shouldn't steal stuff, so you're around stealing stuff. And then you're praying and wonder how come God isn't answering your prayers. Well, because you're stealing stuff. You can't do that. God ain't going to bless you. He's your father. He's not grandpa. He's going to kick your butt. Talking to these guys like talking to a brick wall. I'm telling you, it was so odd. I would walked out. I was so frustrated. I thought... I wasn't trying to condemn them. I was just, can you see the connection? They just couldn't see it. Finally, at some point, it must have gotten through to them. They finally realized what they were doing wrong. And they made it right. And I believe you married them. And and got it right. And, uh, um, you know, uh, things started turning around in their lives. Why? Because they started doing the right thing. You have to remember, sin is just, God breaks down this wall and then you're building it up again. He's not going to reward bad behavior any more than you should reward bad behavior in your children. Doesn't mean you have to beat the snot out of them, but you know, you still need to discipline them. You need to correct them. You can't just say, well, I love you anyway. I know you have a good heart. And don't ever correct them. They will turn out to be hellions is what they'll turn out to be. It'll be a disaster in their lives. Doing the wrong things intentionally, asking God for a blessing. Anyway, I started doing the right things. Blessings started coming over. She came up to me about a month or so ago. She just smiled. I said, guess what? Guess what? I said, what? I'm pregnant. I thought the doctor said you couldn't get pregnant. I know, but I am. Isn't that a great thing? The blessings of God. It's the blessings of God. Now, it, it's not about earning the blessings of God. It, this thing is grace. You don't go and try to make, earn favors with God. You say, well, God, if I do this, do this. If you give me this, I'll do this. It's not about, this. It's about relationship. What you have to understand about the whole sin factor is it breaks the relationship. It breaks the relationship. And God, as a father, will discipline when you allow that to happen. And it's not because he hates you. It's because he loves you. Our Father, Jesus said to pray, which art in heaven. Our Father in heaven. The second part of this is when you start your prayer time, not only do you need to get the idea of God being your caring Father and that there's relationship, and the relationships, there's consequences and how all that works, but He's a God who is in heaven. He's a Father who is in heaven. What does that mean? It means this. God has a vantage point that you do not have. He can see things you cannot see. He can see the end from the beginning right away. What does that mean? It means you can trust him to guide you and to direct your life. Because he has this heavenly perspective. It's like being in a maze. When you're at maze level... You, you can't see anything. You're, you're not sure. You, you kind of, you know, you might be going the wrong way and then you come out and it's a little cute. But if you have someone up here calling directions out, you get through the maze very quickly. Why? He has a perspective that you do not have. This is what God has for your life. He can see things you cannot see. He sees the end from the beginning immediately. And you can trust him. And you can come to him when you start your prayer. Say, Father who is in heaven. My Father, Abba, Abba, Abba. God, you can see stuff I can't see. 
You are in a position that I am not in. I can trust you. Guide my steps. Guide my steps. Direct my steps. And you can trust that God will guide you. Sometimes God will say, no, don't go that way. Some people just fight it. And they fight it. And they fight it. Don't fight it. That's God saying, no, you dummy. It's the other way. And, and just trust God to open and close doors for you. And seriously, this is how you can really see how God is directing you. Now, uh, there's a lot of emphasis today, has been for many, many years in the church, about hearing from God. Letting God telling you what to do. Now, can God do that to you? Absolutely. He's done it to me. But you need to understand, there's, I think we've really overdone it in this. That is the exception, not the rule. The rule is God will guide and direct your steps. And the Bible says, let God direct you. And he does that by circumstances and by his divine hand. I usually don't hear lots of voices. I honestly don't. People say, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, when we first moved to Stevens Point, I said, I'm so glad God spoke you to come here. I said, God didn't speak me to come here. Why are you here? Arnie sent me. <laughs> now, I didn't have to go, but my life would have gotten very difficult being unemployed. My idea of being led of the Spirit is God shuts every door and window in the house and leaves one open, and then he lights the house on fire. <laughs> and then I suddenly feel led. I feel, I, I think this is the way, right here. Yes, yes. Divine revelation came upon me, you know. You can trust God when things are working for you. You can trust God is in your faith when things are working against you. You know, now sometimes, you know, God's give, spoken you to do something. And even though there's resistance, you need to pray through that. But generally speaking, you can trust God's guiding hand in your life. And, and let me say this to you. Be proactive in your prayers. You know, so many times things happen in my life. And, and I'll share it. And people will ask me the question. Well, well what did you decide? I said, well, I'm going to do it. Well, did you pray about it? Yeah, I prayed about it before it happened. Are you hearing me? That's being proactive in your prayer. I prayed for almost a year about coming back to Bayside. Everybody, just about everybody I shared with thought there was not a snowball's chance in you know where of me ever coming back here. And I, and, I, and I remember saying to my wife, I said, I've got to go talk to him because I just, I have it on my heart. I know he's going to tell me no, but let me share it with him. Then he can shoot me down in flames and then I can move on. This was my faith. I finally said, I said, Arnie, i got to share this. He says, what is it? He says, I just feel like this in my heart. And, and he said, yes! Yes, I know that's God. And, and, just, and, and all of a sudden, boom, boom, and I come back. Look what happened. Pastor Arnie said, we can come back to Bayside. People said, well, did you pray about it? Yeah, I prayed about it before I got there! Are you hearing me? There's a difference. I, I was praying, you know, just a week ago. Say, God... You know, give us some opportunities. Give us some more opportunities. I pray that you get us into the focus in the family, guys. Because that would be so great. They have such big connections. I pray you open up that door. A week later, focus on the family's office. Dr. London, he's the number two banana there. Of all the bananas. And, and he calls and says, you know, would you come and speak on our cruise next July? People say, did you pray about it? Yeah! Before it happened! As soon as he said, do you want it? Yep, yep, I'm there. Sign me up. 
Praise God. Being proactive. Asking God move this way. God move. And then when God opens the door, to stop and go, well, I don't know. Let me pray about it. Come on. Now, if something comes totally out of the blue that you weren't even anticipating, well, then yes, you need to stop and you need to pray. You need to be very prayerful and thoughtful about it and, and kind of question it. Um, uh, was it earlier this summer or something? I, I got a call from an agent uh, who had been speaking to ABC television. ABC television was interested in talking to me about doing a daily relationship show on ABC. And um, they were all excited about this, and, and they were looking for someone with some fizzy swat to talk about relationships. And this agent calls up, "This would be great. You got to sign with me. I'll be able to take you there." And, and, and I thought, you know, that, that's just out of out of the the normal picture because to do that, I'd have to quit pastoring. You know, I mean, that's that's a big difference. I was never thinking anything like that, and I had to stop and pray about it. And at the end of the day, I said, I just said, no, no, I don't I don't want to do that. Because I don't think that's what God had for me. So sometimes stuff comes out of the blue at you that you do need to sit back and pray. But the fact that it comes out of the blue, sometimes you need to be a little, you know, look at Not that God can't do out of the blue. Sometimes he does out of the blue. You know, like get out of the boat, splash, kind of blue, okay? Uh, and, uh, and, and that's okay. But, but try to be proactive in your life. Just don't waltz around, you know... Ask God to do things for you. Ask God to, ask him for specific things. You know, a lot of times, the only prayers people pray is, thank you God for this hamburger, amen. That's about as deep as their prayer life goes. So when things happen, they're clueless about everything. But what is in your heart? What are the desires that you have? What do you want to see God do in your life? Pray and ask God. And then when these doors start popping open, you'll, you'll be celebrating and you know instantly, yes, thank you God, this was what I was praying for. This is what I was asking for. Do you see the difference? Then just sitting back all the time and afraid to take any steps. Okay? Pray. Get active in prayer. And uh, you'll see God opening doors for you. And you can trust him. Why? Because he can see from up there what I cannot see from here. And I've been praying that way. And when I set up my prayer time, I, I say this. Father, I worship you. I thank you. God, I know you can see the end from the beginning. I pray you direct my paths. And even when sometimes I'm going down on a path that seems, whoa, this is a lot uglier than I thought, or not what I was expecting, I can still be calm. Because I trusted God to direct my paths. You see, if you make everything up on your own, and you make all your decisions on your own, you don't really pray about anything, and you just go out there living your life, and all the things go haywire, you're confused. Where's God? God, help me. Well, yeah, now that you're asking for help, you know, better to pray for the direction up front so that you can get steered in the right direction. You can trust God. So when you pray, this is just this first part, our Father which is in heaven, start out by focusing on these important thoughts. Number one, God is your Father because you've been born of God by faith. Number two, we can approach God with confidence and boldness, not fear. Why? Because we're in the family. Okay? Number three, remember that God delights to bless his children. He wants to answer your prayers. He just gets a rush watching things happen for you. He's not holding back on you. He's not having an economic turndown. Things are good in heaven. They are. They're great. 
guys going? You know, what's the stock market report on in heaven every day? You know, it's up another twenty thousand points today. Yeah, what is, things are good there. Everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. He wants to bless you. He has, has the ability to do it. He delights in that, just like a father. Fourthly, he's a father that you can respect because he loves you enough to discipline you. I rejoice. There have been times in my life God has just taken out the old paddle and taken it right to me. You know, and as difficult and painful as those experiences have been, this is the ultimate sign of love from an eternal God who wants to make sure you're going in the right direction. And then finally, he's a father you can trust as you begin your prayer time. Because he can see things you can't see. He knows things you don't know. When my grandchildren want to do something that's a little dangerous, I steer them away. They get upset. Why is grandpa not let me have what I have? In those cases, I see what they can't see. I'm aware. This is the kind of relationship. we. This is just the beginning part of the prayer. Our Father in Heaven. All those thoughts are wrapped up in that one phrase. Let's all stand together. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Father, I thank you for your kindness and your grace. Thank you that we can know you and have fellowship with you. You are a wonderful, wonderful Father. As every head's bowed and every eye's closed, nobody looking around, I'd like to ask you a question. Where are you at tonight? Do you have this relationship with God? Have you asked him to break down the wall of sin between you and him? If you've never done that, I want to encourage you to pray with us right now, to ask God to come into your life. I'd like us all to repeat this prayer together. If you'll mean this prayer from the bottom of your heart, Jesus will come, remove that wall, and you can start having this relationship that I've been talking about tonight. Let's pray together. Say, Heavenly Father, I open my heart to you. I want to have a relationship with you. I ask you to forgive me of my sins through the blood of your Son, Jesus. Thank you for loving me. Amen. Praise God. You guys have been wonderful. Hope to see you Sunday morning. Have a wonderful evening. God, by the way, if you just prayed that prayer, if you'll go by, where is it, the guest services? And say, I would like the free book. We have a free book for anybody who prayed that prayer for the first time. It's a great little book my brother wrote. I'll ask him some questions about faith. Just stop by and say, hey, I'd like that free book. That's all you got to do. God bless you. Have a great night. See you Sunday.